In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. John the Baptist is not the kind of guy you would invite to a cocktail party. He's awkward, and he's going to talk about the very things that you shouldn't talk about at cocktail parties. But at the same time, there is something appealing about John the Baptist. A friend once introduced me uh, to another person at a cocktail party and said, This is Andrew Pearson. He's a minister, but you'd never know it. Now, um, my reaction to this, uh, and my reaction to this day, is that it was refreshingly offensive. Uh, And I think I understand what my friend was trying to say, uh, but there is no mistaking what John the Baptist was about. Repentance. Though his message may not have been popular among some, uh, he was popular nonetheless. Uh, They came out in the wilderness in droves to be baptized by him in the River Jordan. And this was no mere tent revival on the edge of town. Geographically, he was way out there. Uh, The reason why he probably ate locusts and wild honey was because that was all there was to eat. This wilderness where he baptized uh, outside of Jericho, where the River Jordan empties into the Dead Sea, uh, is about an 11-hour walk from Jerusalem. Uh, down that road that leads to Jericho, which is known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Uh, It is the same road in which we find the man traveling up from Jericho to Jerusalem, where he is jumped by robbers and is finally rescued by the good Samaritan. Uh, It is not, as our window over here depicts, uh, sort of Epcot John the Baptist, um, but it is, in fact, uh, awful. Uh, There's nothing there. It's desolate, you're in the wilderness, and I'm sure I'll get a letter from the Jericho Chamber of Commerce about this. But, even though it was a terrible and long journey, uh, they came anyway. They came to hear the prophet, they came to repent, and they came to be baptized by John. Well, repentance is an oft-misunderstood word in the world and in the church. What is it that these people thought they were doing when they came out to repent and to be baptized? And what does repentance mean for us? I think these are important questions because repentance, in the minds of many people, is not the biblical idea of repentance and can absolutely wreck a person if they get it wrong. And the key to understanding what repentance is, is the Greek word used here in this text this morning, which is Metanoia. Now, you aren't going to have to remember that word, uh, but you are going to need to remember what it means. And it means to have your mind changed. It means that you have done a 180 in regard to what you once thought was true. And in the case of repentance, it means that you are brought to a place where you acknowledge that God's judgment about you is accurate. And your judgment about yourself is wrong. And this is not how most people think of repentance. Most people think that repentance is a way to right your life, to get back on track, to feel really bad about something that you've done, to make things right with others, including God. And if you look up repentance in Wikipedia, this is what you will read. Repentance 
is something that we must do in order to satisfy God and thereby merit his favor and goodness towards us. Now, this understanding of repentance is what leads people to think things like, if things are going bad, surely I must have done something to deserve it. Or, if I'm extra good, if I go to church, if I say my prayers, if I read my Bible, then a positive outcome is guaranteed for me. But what we find is that repentance, according to John the Baptist and Jesus, is not about straightening up or reforming your life. Repentance is not about getting right with God, turning over a new leaf, or trying to squash bad habits. This is reformation of life. And reformation of life is merely an outward change. Repentance is the work of God in your soul. When I was in college, I was having some car problems, and so I asked the guys I lived with with if they had any recommendations on where to get my car fixed. And one of the guys quickly said to the guy sitting next to him, I don't need a mechanic. What I need is a car. Well, those who are out in the wilderness don't need to have their lives repaired. They need a new life. Reforming your life is like car repairing. Repentance is the recognition of the lack of a car. Repentance, therefore, is not doing anything. Repentance, too, is more than just a bad feeling about sin. A New Yorker cartoon was recently passed on to me that has a guy walking into a flower shop with a scowl on his face. And he says to the florist, I need something that says, I'm sorry about the thing that I said that caused you to totally overreact. (laughs) Well, in our day and age, we are quick to apologize when we have been caught or when we are sorry for the consequences of our actions, but not necessarily for what we have done. I am sorry for what happened. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. Well, what John the Baptist is doing in the wilderness is making sure that nobody gets off the hook. His job is to absolutely level us, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his paths straight. John the Baptist is out to destroy any self-righteous understanding of repentance and salvation. If you think that you can do it, John the Baptist is in the business of using the law to absolutely crush you, you brood of vipers. And then to turn you to the Savior, who is Jesus Christ, whose sandals he is not worthy to even stoop down and untie. We see that repentance actually is the product of salvation. It takes God to intervene in your life and my life in order to bring us to repentance. Grace is God's unmerited favor to those who have merited the very opposite. Repentance is the sinner's recognition of and acknowledgement of our lost condition and thus of our need for grace. Repentance is not something that you can do, and it's not just something that you feel it is that 
you ought to change or that you feel bad about. Although when you do experience repentance, you want your life to be changed. Uh, You do feel so grievous about your sins that they are a burden unto you and you cry out for relief. But in order for that to happen, your mind has to be changed so that you can say that God's judgment about you is accurate and yours about you is wrong. It turns out that as Christians... Repentance is something that happens a lot. Tim Keller writes this. Martin Luther opened the Reformation by nailing the 95 Theses to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. The very first of these was, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ will the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. On the surface, this looks a little bleak. Luther seems to be saying Christians will never be making much progress. But of course, that wasn't Luther's point at all. He was saying that repentance is the way we make progress in the Christian life. Indeed, pervasive, all of life repentance is the best sign that we are growing deeply and rapidly into the character of Jesus. When we are crushed by the law, when we are under the ministry of John the Baptist, And we are commanded to repent. When we are in the wilderness, whatever it is that has taken you into that place where you have nowhere to turn, like the children of Israel, who would go out in the wilderness to repent. This ministry begins to do its work. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are turned toward Him who proclaims you as righteous, even when you're not. And Jesus does not do this from a faraway place. He comes into the wilderness himself. If John's baptism was about repentance, then why was Jesus baptized? He was baptized so that he would fulfill all righteousness and show that God's law is really valid. Yet at the same time, he would make it possible for all those who had broken the law to be liberated from their guilt. That's why Jesus wanted to be baptized. It means that he identified himself with guilt-ridden humanity. He didn't put himself above us, although he could have. On the contrary, he subjected himself to judgment. He did the penance and made our burdens and guilt his own. Jesus is there in the wilderness. He's not in Jerusalem. He doesn't dwell in the temple. He's not going to be found at a special retreat center or in a book that is supposed to help improve yourself. His lordship is not confined by the geography of the heart or by life's circumstances. He has entered into the equation and the result is that its sum has fallen upon him. He has taken on the consequences. This morning, if you are in the wilderness and crushed by the load of your sin, If it is grievous unto you, if you are left in despair over your own condition as a human being, and you are looking to Jesus for salvation, this is the work of the Spirit within you. And we praise God that He does come to meet us and visit us in the wilderness. For come ye sinners poor and needy, let not your conscience make you linger, nor a fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. This he gives you. Tis the Spirit's rising beam. Let us pray. Almighty God.
Change our hearts so that we might turn to you. For in our strength we cannot amend our lives. Only realize daily our need of you. In your law we see that we are not able to be what we want to be or even what we ought to be. And so Lord Jesus we come to you. Miserable offenders. Empty handed. With nothing to bring you but our sins. And yet we come with boldness because of your great love for us. Demonstrated on the cross. Your love poured out for us. And so by your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we repent. Change us, Lord. Amen.